Hello and welcome to Insurance Tomorrow, a podcast brought to you by me, Nick Hewer, and Allianz. In this series, we're discussing some of the most important global trends impacting businesses in the months and years to come and exploring how they might affect the insurance industry. If you've missed any of our other discussions on topics like AI, drone technology or cybercrime, you can listen now on your normal podcast app. Now, today we're talking about a subject that no business ever wants to have to deal with. And if they're unprepared and uninsured, could have catastrophic, I mean catastrophic consequences. In 2018, business interruption topped the Alliance Risk Barometer for the sixth year running as the key concern for businesses globally. According to AGCS, the average business interruption property insurance claim now totals just over 3 million euros. But despite this, research by the Federation of Small Businesses suggests that only one in three UK businesses has a contingency plan in place should business be interrupted. But that doesn't always mean they've got adequate insurance. And business interruption doesn't just have to be damage to a property. Non-damage business interruption can prove just as disruptive to a company and threaten to negatively impact its bottom line. No doubt you'll remember the terror attack on London Bridge and Borough Market in the summer of 2017 when eight people were killed. The unavoidable disruption in the intervening days caused huge problems to traders, particularly those working in the market. To have one day off is devastating. For, to have ten days off, we lost major clients. The terror attack itself, the uh, trade after it was devastating. So it's been, it's been really, really bad. It was a similar situation in Salisbury in March 2018, following the poisoning of Sergei Skripal and his daughter Yulia. Many shops inside the perimeter of the incident remained closed for many months, including this textile store. Staff there say... The shop was reopened just in time. Towards yes. the end, we were um, lucky to still be going. We would have not had jobs. You worried from week to week yeah. when you were going to get paid at the end of the Absolutely. month? Absolutely. And we all have mortgages and bills. Yes. Pay. We yeah. can't yeah. go on like that forever. But the minute they said that we could open, it was like we were about to go off the walls of happiness. As you can hear, small businesses in particular can be hit hard by a non-damaged business interruption event. So what are the options and how can insurance providers and companies help? With me in the studio here today to discuss this are Donna Smith, Underwriting Manager and the Small Business Team from Alliance, Mike Hallam, Head of Technical Services at BIBA, the British Insurance Brokers Association, and Matt Dickinson, Spokesman from the Federation of Small Businesses. Donna, let's start with you. Can you explain in more detail what business interruption actually means? What is it? So business interruption is basically when, due to an insured event, so whether that's a, it could be something pretty minor, like it might be just a temporary small flood, or it might be something um, much more large-scale, like a, a fire, um, is when the activities of a business is interrupted for a short period of time or for longer periods of time. And what that actually results in then is a loss of earnings. So the business cannot continue to trade, cannot continue to do their uh, manufacturing or their, provide their service. And as a result, the income stops or is temporarily um, reduced. Oh, it's a very fraught situation. As you say, it could be your business or supplier. Yes. and that's They get into trouble <laughs> and that hurts you badly. And or, in, or indeed even a customer. 
customer. The people, custom, um, businesses often rely on specific customers. For example, I'll give the example: if you just produce strawberries for Wimbledon or something like yeah. that, then. It, your whole sort of stock can relay, revolve around that. And if all of a sudden that disappears due to a packet fire in the packing warehouse or something like that, then, um, you know, you have a heck of a problem. Sure. And I think a lot of SMEs are very seasonal in terms of some of their, um, the, you know, they have higher seasons of both stock and, and income, especially over Christmas periods and things like that. So you do see... Um, perhaps an, an underestimation of even a short outage, mm. what the actual impact can be depending on when it hits the businesses. Let's, you know, pretend that it's actually a supplier that's had a big fire and you rely on them and you've been careless and you haven't had a set up a, a dual source of uh, supply just in case one goes down. Wow, that's painful. It is, yes. If you if you are heavily reliant on on one supplier or one customer, then it can be very painful for you. And that's why it's important to get the coverage right to ensure that you are um, you do have the cover for that that incident, and it also covers your supplier. Matt, the Federation of Small Business, you've carried out your own research into business um, interruption recently. What did you turn up? Well, that's right. We did a big piece of research where we asked the membership about contingency planning generally. So we found that about one in three had comprehensive um, continuity plans in place in case they did experience some kind of significant disruptive incident. So for some, that would include business interruption insurance. For others, it might not. But you're saying one in three don't take business interruption insurance? I'd say at least in terms of smaller businesses because that one in three is the number that have um, some kind of continuity plan generally. But I'd say the numbers that are actively considering interruption insurance is probably even less because what we generally find is small business owners have an absolute focus, laser-like focus on the product or service that they're selling. That's absolutely what they want to concentrate on. So when it comes to insurance, they're probably thinking, oh, well, my building's covered I'll leave it there, I'm probably fine. When in actuality, we know that they need to be much more comprehensively well, covered. I mean, the, it can be devastating, absolutely devastating, and through no fault of their own, if it's indeed a supplier or you know whatever it is that's gone down and is no longer able to supply the service or product or whatever it was. Yeah? So it's amazing that people are so you know uh, carefree about this. That's right. I think awareness is a real issue. Um, and I think there needs to be more done at the local level, definitely. So local enterprise partnerships, which were the um, groups that took over from the regional development agencies um, when the last uh, government switch when the new Conservative government came in, um, working with their growth hubs, which are supposed to be these kind of um, go-to places for new business owners locally to get support and advice. I think insurance... Brokers need to be in there. I think there needs to be more awareness raising generally from central government and their initiatives in this area. There's much more that needs to be done. But I think also on the policy side, um, central government could certainly be doing more. The insurance premium tax, this is standard rate, a 12% charge on pretty much every insurance policy that's taken out, is essentially uh, disincentive to do the right thing. So cost... Um, where where everything is concerned, but certainly when it comes to these purchases that aren't absolutely day to day, um, 
you know, we need to be looking at how we can make this more affordable for small business owners. And the insurance premium tax certainly doesn't help with that. Well, I remember when I ran a company, I don't think I had business interruption insurance. I think the non-compulsory insurances are very much um, back of mind. Yeah. So what is it? Are they not well enough informed, Uh, Donna? What do you think? What's the problem here? I think it's a mixture. I think... um, I think for particularly for small businesses, when premium, as you say, insurance premiums are a big a big bulk of expense, and they'll buy what they 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 feel is a necessity. Whether that be the compulsory employer's liability, yeah. uh, they may need public liability to be enabled to trade with other suppliers because they they may insist on that. But I think um, still the what they would consider more fringe covers like business interruption is still a bit of a luxury purchase and a bit of a grudge purchase in other measures. But it can measures. bring you down. Absolutely. Bring. Over half of the SMEs aren't after a what's considered significant interruption to the business will will end up folding and one in three within the three years following because they perhaps didn't have enough protection or enough cash. So what are the brokers doing? What's Bieber doing about informing its broker members? Well, uh, an, an insurance broker acts as agent for the customer sure. um, and they give professional advice to customers. But are they actively selling this in? Yes. Do they see it as a an opportunity, actually, to sell another product that's it, actually much needed and sensible. It's very much needed. It is, is considered for any any trading business. It's an essential cover, even though it's not a compulsory cover, because as we've seen so many different examples, it can have catastrophic um, consequences. But I think the thing is it's, it's a much more complicated subject than just property damage, because you can go out and buy a piece of machinery and... You can physically see it and you can see a receipt that's cost you X amount of money. But business interruption is a lot more complicated than that because you have to foresee what damage can happen to the business if a catastrophic event happens. And you have to consider how long it will take you to get back up and running. And this takes time because we don't know how long a piece of machine, which piece of machinery, which may be very specialist, may be needed. If your premises have been damaged, can you get alternative premises? Um, are they available? Do you need planning permission to rebuild, etc.? So all these factors, and also the length of time, is a, is very very important information that brokers will talk through clients with, and that's why we see it as essential to use a broker for. <laughs> Any kind of business, really, to be honest with you, because otherwise, particularly the small and medium-sized businesses may not have the understanding that um, when they're buying insurance that these are the things that they really need. Mm. Matt, come on. Your members are all essentially small businesses. Have you got any horror stories? We have a lot of bad cases. And actually, one that springs to mind following that point about understanding, we had a small recruitment firm who's based in Coventry, came to us a couple of months ago. They were based um, on the second floor of their building above a restaurant, and there was a fire in the restaurant. Um, So that spread to their floor. Um, So they had that initial damage, but also when the fire service came, they had the water damage of trying to resolve that situation um, after the fire initially broke out. Um, They were actually relatively fortunate because they were able to find premises quite quickly. They did have a real initial panic because the next day was payday um, and they have quite a few members of staff. They were fortunate because they were using um, a cloud system to provide that, so they were actually able to to pay everyone the um, well after a couple of days. Um, and actually, they didn't have to claim 
their business interruption insurance on that occasion, they were covered, but it did prompt them to go back and look at their cover again to see how comprehensive that cover was. And actually, they found that it wasn't anywhere near enough what they would need if they had to stop trading for a week, a couple of weeks. So they went back, they revisited, and they um, they improved that that policy that they had. And it's interesting, you see that a fair amount. Sometimes these these difficult circumstances can actually spur businesses on to go on and improve their their operations. Are small businesses only prompted to take out business interruption insurance when something ghastly happens either to them or to a neighbour or a friend or somebody they've read about? It can be a variety of things. I think it will it'll vary quite a lot by industry. So um, the software consultant that I mentioned um, in London Bridge, he did actually have quite a good continuity plan in place. He was operating internationally. I think that tends to start getting people thinking more about the long term and about bigger risks when they start doing business internationally. Um, but I mean, again, if you're if you're um, outside of areas where it's more difficult to get access to information, I think that's a big element as well. Um, if you're not particularly um, well connected digitally, you might not have the capabilities to go online and, and search for a broker. Um, that can have a real impact as well. I mean, an interesting case was the flooding that um, impacted a lot of West Yorkshire um, about three, four years ago, 2015. Um, and we saw cases there of um, businesses that, I mean, were really just swept away in every sense. We had uh, a member who was based in a small town outside of Halifax who ran quite a niche um, comic book collector's uh, store. All of his stock was destroyed. And of course, a lot of the time, these are, these are rare items that are hard to get hold of again, or they might be one-off items. Um, and by that point, um, when he set up again, he's thinking, okay, I need to be protected this time because he didn't have the right cover in place. He was actually quite dependent on community intervention and support and fundraising to get back on his feet. Um, and at that point, um, he starts thinking, okay, I need to have better protection next time. But of course, it's 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 that challenge of how do we get to businesses before they get to that point. And I think that will vary by industry. It will vary a lot by location. If you're not in a well-connected area, it's harder to get hold of the right information. Something that we've we've done actually recently within Bieber, we've introduced an updated declaration form, um, which helps brokers and their customers to um, produce um declarations that the insurers require to ensure there's no underinsurance. So we've produced this form to help the clients and their customers, clients and the brokers so that this helps to mitigate the circumstances when there is a loss that um, the declarations are correct. So the forecasting that the insurers will require to settle the claim, it would be a lot more straightforward. And, and I think you've, you've alluded to some of the, the real complexity there. And I think that's where um, the broker relationship with small business owners is so important because small businesses own small business owners are specialists in their areas. They're not experts in insurance, tax, legal issues. Um, so a lot of the time, it is important that they have a broker who specialises in looking after small businesses to make sure they have the right cover and they have a fair price. And we've actually at FSB we have our own insurance broker as part of what we offer to members as well as um, directing them to groups like Bieber for, for support. Donna, in a nutshell, are businesses well enough informed, do you think? I think the short answer will be still no, even though it's um, 
been at the top of people's minds in terms of, of, of risk. Um, I think there's certainly, we've definitely seen improvements and we've seen brokers certainly um, approaching their clients and, and doing a lot more around indemnity periods so making sure that they've got the right um, timescales of cover. Um, and we've seen some really good examples through the claims as well where they've had that advice and they've got the right covers in place and actually with, they've been able to get back up on their feet running in temporary premises and, and the, the reduction to the gross profit has been, has been minimal, really. Am I right in thinking that this business interruption is the sort of lead risk for the last six years? Yep, so Allianz do a risk barometer survey um, and actually I think it's eight years. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's one of these things I think that's always at the top of the barometer because of the complexity and the the fact that it is such a complex issue and the understanding is not always as as strong as it could but in answer to my question you're saying i still think there's a lot yet. of work to do mike yes i think there is a still a fair way to go bieber as an organization along with our members have produced guides not only for our own members and brokers but also clients to try and understand the complexities of the subject and the very, very importance of having this cover. Um, but also things like having a, a robust business continuity plan. Matt alluded to earlier that people can be really affected. But if you've got strong contingency plans in place, if you have a disaster, then that can really, really help to mitigate these losses so it's it's all an education piece and i think we've we've all got a role to play insurers brokers um business organizations as well as government to keep on this road to keep providing more and more information again we've talked about the complexities it's clear it's a lot much more complicated area of insurance than just property damage so we would strongly use a professional insurance broker they can talk you through the cover available what the connections are get involved with your business not just the, as you as the owner but your perhaps your finance director to really get the feel of the in, the business and what could affect it and what the consequences could be and that's why you know it's a, it's a broker's thing rather than perhaps just necessarily buying online where there isn't necessarily advice given on indemnity periods or even sums insured or any kind of clauses or extensions such as the suppliers and customers extensions which may not be readily available but could be absolutely crucial to a business. Yeah, you mentioned the government there. Yeah. They stepped in, the Treasury stepped in on the on the uh, terrorism risks. Is there another role to play for, for government, do you think? It's encouraging people to businesses to be aware of the consequences and things like um, cyber cover is getting, you know, is a, is a real big thing now. Government, you know, there's a cyber <clears throat> essential scheme that government are playing a role in um, and all kinds of things that they can just really it's just an education piece through the industry and them, them themselves. Um, here I am, small business member, you know, I'm, I'm one of yours. I'm one of yours, Matt. All right. Now, <clears throat> how complicated is it to get this insurance? You suddenly, um, Mike over there has struck the fear of God into me now, and I need to buy some of this business interruption. How complicated is it? What are the main factors? There must be a checklist. Mike, are you going to take this one? BI is complicated, and if say you need to consider. Um, every element of your business 
in terms of the processes, your stock, your machinery, your premises, your staff, and all things connected around that. And that's why it, it isn't just a, a, a quick discussion. You need to really get into the heart of your business and see where your risk factors lie. You really need to analyse the risk factors that could affect your your business. And that is why you need to have a business continuity plan for situations like this, but also the cover arranged on the correct basis, which you may not always get unless you get proper advice on that. Okay. Does it all sort of end up with a pound sign in front of a figure so that you say, look, if disaster strikes, okay, it will cost me X pounds per week until that um, that fault, whatever it is, is remedied. Yes, but the costs could vary over uh, an inordinate amount length of time, possibly because a lot of a lot of costs are, are there straight away. If you're not trading at all, all of a sudden you've got no turnover, no no profit. You may still having be having to pay rent, rates, insurance, and things like that. Um, so immediately you can't trade. You've got a massive impact on your business but as you slowly start to recover and get new premises new machinery things like that then the actual impact to your business will you know be, be smaller than it and it was madonna said quite clearly that for the last eight years this has been the sort of number one priority risk so you've recognized what a a dangerous situation you know people are in and yet Matt says, in the small business arena, you know, hardly anybody's taking it up 25%, perhaps. Well, what I'd stress is actually at the, at the very smallest end, at the micro end, um, we need to remember that business owners are really quite similar to consumers in a lot of ways. And a lot of the time that isn't really recognised by um, industry or, um, or indeed government. Um, and I think... The, the biggest barrier will always be before you've got into the complexities of trying to get one of these policies in place is that psychological barrier that, oh, it won't happen to me or I'm too busy um, because I'm not being paid on time by my uh, clients. And I think if we could resolve some of those issues, those supply chain issues, particularly around prompt payment, around supply chain bullying, um, then that could free up more time for small business owners to be thinking long-term about what protection they really need in place. When we asked about contingency planning, very, very few small business owners said they'd been prompted to put one in place because someone further up the supply chain has said it was a good idea. And if we could engender more of a feeling that this is a team game across supply chains. Donna, do you think that maybe, I'm not saying that it's been overcomplicated, but is it a situation whereby more simplicity, you know, by using great brains to make it more marketable would be happy, you know, would, would, would be a, a good solution somehow? Yes, yeah, certainly. I think um, um, consumers will find that some insurance policies will package an element of BI cover in with the material damage covers, um, particularly for shops. They'll give a standard gross profit figure of, say, 600000 over 24 months. So it provides an element of cover. But I think the important piece there is that people then might feel that that's everything I need. And actually, that period might not be long enough when we talk about lost customs um, and we talk about the suppliers and the, the, the customer um, impact of, of disaster at their premises. 
a, a package policy like that would need some careful consideration as to whether they've actually encompassed all of the risks that that business feels. So it, it, it's, you can try and simplify it, but ultimately if you oversimplify it, I think then people will feel they're protected and actually there'll be lots of gaps in the sure. covers. And That's a fair point, Donna. Well, I think at that point we'll wrap it up. And so my thanks to Donna Smith, underwriting manager and the small business team at Allianz, Mike Hallam, Head of Technical Services at Biba, that's the British Insurance Brokers Association, of course, and Matt Dickinson, spokesman from the Federation of Small Businesses. Please do subscribe to the series through your podcast app. That way, you'll be sure of never missing an episode. And we'd really appreciate you leaving us a review as well. Next time, we'll be exploring the subject of the changing workplace. In the meantime, from me, Nick Hewitt, and Allianz, it's goodbye.